Hey everybody, welcome to Darisha's podcast, Elite Mastery. I created this um, series of podcasts because I felt that um, there's lots of information out there to inspire and motivate individuals like myself and people that I work with uh, throughout the year and all the speeches and talks that I do. So throughout the month and throughout the year, I'll be interviewing people who are experts in their fields and I consider them as masters. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to welcome Niha Sahani uh, to our podcast. I pronounced your name correctly? Yes, you have. Absolutely correctly or a little bit? A little bit correctly, no, but, t- how but you're is, getting How is there. it pronounced absolutely correctly? Neha Sahani. Neha Sahani. You got it. I apologize. I'm called uh, Daryush, but everybody calls me Darwish. Darwish. Kind of Darwish, perfect, yeah. right? But Arabic people call it Darwish. Mm. Right, and I, and, I, and it bothers me, so I apologize for uh, not pronouncing your name correctly. No, that's okay. Um, wonderful young lady, extremely smart, and um, I like to learn a lot from you in this podcast, and I, I like our viewers to learn a lot from you. Um, please tell us a little about yourself, where you originate from, how long you've been in Dubai, um, and what brought you to where we are today. Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm honored and humbled, and I hope that today's conversation goes well and brings value to you as well as the listeners. Love to listen to you. Thank so, you so much. Um, to give you a little bit of background, I am a biomedical engineer by academic uh, background, and I have 10 years of experience working in the healthcare industry in the United States and Canada. Uh, always working on large global projects. Uh, the first six years were in the product development side, making uh, big brands, uh, skincare brands, and I'm not sure if I can take names of those brands. Yeah, on you can. Market. I used to be in a, a healthcare industry, well, beauty salons and health clubs for 17 years. Oh, fantastic. In the UK. Fantastic. Which, which brand? So I actually uh, physically made and manufactured products uh, like Neutrogena, Clean and Clear, wow. Rock, which is anti aging. So uh, you were in the laboratory with a that's right with and my goggles and and I was also then going to manufacturing plants uh, and working with the manufacturers to create the whole scale up process and package test and launch it all animal the way to the testing end. Uh, no no animal testing there was no animal no testing. animal testing. are you sure hundred percent no monkeys died under your arms nobody okay. <laughs> none of those products are animal tested no uh, is it necessary for animal testing is it really necessary no, for like, things not. like hairspray and I don't know about hairspray. I've never worked with those kind of products. Neither uh, have I. As yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, I've only worked on skincare, to be honest. Okay. And so it's not necessary to use animals? Uh, no, it's not. So it must have been just cheaper. Um, you know, to be honest, I think that that was happening several decades ago. I think most brands today are very conscientious okay. uh, in terms of the chemicals that are being used, in terms of the technologies that are being used, not just to make the product, but also to package it and manufacture it um, okay. all the way down to the consumer. Because now consumers, as we were talking, millennials and uh, are very aware Z, and conscious of animal it. testing organic for instance yes yes and i think that's where our world is heading we're heading into a more conscientious sustainable future and the audiences and the customers today want to make sure that the products and services they use and consume have a foresight into uh, making sure that our ecosystem is being taken into consideration and it's not just a one-time use and throw approach thank you so yeah. s- uh, somebody would come to you and say we need a new cleanser mm-hmm. How do you go by creating a new cleanser? I, I explained to you why. I was mm-hmm. in that industry and I, I introduced some glycolic products, mm-hmm. glycolic skincare, and I'm, I'm not going to mention names, but this gentleman, he was a doctor, um, and he came and said, look, when you actually um, have a pH, you neutralize mm-hmm. a glycolic acid. It's just salt and water you're putting on your skin. Is that correct? Um, I, I don't know the exact the chemistry. Product. Yeah. So he was saying the more acidic it is, yes. the actually more exfoliation you get on your skin. Is that correct? Uh, so every formulation has a degree of water and, and salts, and salts okay. can be of many uh, chemical composition. Yes. Um, so yes, in those products, you will have water and a variety of salts to activate glycolic acid, but, but glycolic acid in itself is a compound. 
It's, it's a form okay, of So acid. you need the salt to activate the acid, Yes, correct? yes. Oh. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one kind of I was thinking the salt product. is what happens when you mix the acid and al alkaline together. You get salt and water. You get salt and water, yeah. So but your, your skin you also has... Uh, no, please, please <laughs> educate me. Because I, I, I think last time I was in the skincare, it was 20 years ago. Yeah. And that question is, now you're here, I might as well. <laughs> well, all, all kinds of technologies have... Um, have a delivery mechanism and they have an activation mechanism. So for example, if we look at innovation in the fragrance or the skincare industry, you'll see a lot of products. Um, and I've been out of the industry for a couple of years sure. now, so I don't have exact uh, sure. product names on mine. But there, there's products that will have a immediate release fragrance and uh, activation of uh, benefit, and then there'll be a slow re release as well. Wow. And many companies actually test to see what the efficacy is, both yeah. of the experience, which is usually coming from touch and smell or yes, scent, yes. and then also from the efficacy and from the perspective mm. of performance. So mm. if, let's say it's an anti-aging cream, yes. you'll often see claims like, uh, we'll start to see visible decline after in wrinkles after four weeks, right? So they've actually tested wow. that over time, so and not on animals. From the, from the, <laughs> thank you. From the time you got let's say, instruction to, to create something, yeah. to go to the marketplace, how long would it normally take? I think it depends on the type of products. It also depends on the type of uh, industry and the target audience. Mm -hmm. So um, I can tell you that most robust companies in the skincare uh, industry, in the CPG industry, mm -hmm. they will spend uh, 18 months to anywhere up to three years in wow. R&D, in wow. uh, like appropriate R&D. That is uh, 18 months is a bare minimum. Um, where a lot do of strong companies advocate. Do you still need FDA advocate. for that? Do you still for stuff that you put on your FDA approval for stuff you put on your skin? Um, if it's regulated by the FDA, then you need FDA approval. Okay. If it's a over the if it's a um, on the shelf, on the shelf type of thing, you don't. Yeah, need. then uh, then you may not need to have an FDA approval, uh, but but your manufacturing practices have mm. to obviously meet standards, right? So there's those are things like Did ISO you ever, standards. Were you ever told what happened to you? But that product that you worked on mm. did really well. Were you ever informed of that, or um, once he went, he went? Excellent question. You know, when I was in that industry, or I was uh, in those type of roles for the first six years of my career, and I was very naive, and I also started working at 2007 so i was only six months into that role when the economy the global economy crashed yes. uh, and i was in new jersey and so uh, you know a few miles down the road was new york city where the world started were crumbling. you born in the u.s i was born in kuwait wow so i'm a middle eastern uh, product wow. and yeah. then well you got educated here i was educated in the middle east in the middle east till my high school and then i did my engineering uh degree and all of my corporate experience was in the United States. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was on the East Coast. It was on the East Coast. And you stayed there. I stayed there um, for 10 years after graduation. So I guess, hmm. yeah, about 14 years in total. Amazing. So, amazing. yeah, it's been it's been an excellent journey. And I, I'm kind of glad, which sort of brings us to, you know, that whole theme around what's happening with our millennial generation. I'm sort of glad that we had the experience or I had the experience right after graduating college and, and entering the workforce because we got, as a generation, I think we got a rude reality check of what can happen throughout the life of your career that if we are uh, assuming to be set on a steady path, there is, no, there is no guarantees. And our predecessors, so the Generation X and Baby Boomers, were coming from the mindset of loyalty. So the longer you stayed with the company, the more value you had, sure. the more clout you had, which is sure. kind of in line with how uh, government agencies worked, right? People sure. always strived for government jobs back in the day because those were the most stable, but also had a sense of stability tied to them. You're looking at having two jobs a lifetime. Exactly, at most. Sure. And with our generation, we were raised in, when we were younger, we were raised in a economically positive or economically savvy environment so that when we're stepping right into adulthood you then are faced with this uh, with this collapse and you're so it was unfortunate at the time but i think most millennials also then accepted that this will likely happen again and again throughout our lifetime and so we better be prepared for it which is why so maybe a reaction to the economic crisis exactly. or how things are changing as a reaction, as a as a forced reaction, almost we accepted that this will likely be a reality. Uh, 
along with the fact that technology is disrupting many industries. I mean, that's kind of why you saw the rise of so many digital global giants, mm-hmm. right? They were all mm-hmm. born out of that era Certainly. where where the world was, where the world economy was collapsing. So something was not going right, and you saw uh, the likes of. Um, YouTube come up and YouTube influencers come up. You saw the likes of online education platforms come up. Um, yes. And now we're seeing, you know, unicorns come up everywhere and, and they're being hailed as the next big whatever, right? For that reason. I apologize I interrupted you. We're telling me about let's, I'm going to bring you back sure. to your career, if yeah. you don't mind. No, I'd love to take this further. Uh, you were telling me about when you took a product and you went to the market. Mm-hmm. And you said it was a really interesting question. I got carried away with that Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, it's my fault. So um, did they come back to you and tell you if the product was Um, successful? Yes. So I was very naive in that I didn't know how to um, assess what was the lifetime of that product or what was the uh, dollar revenue of that product. So you don't actually know the impact your product is having. Did it make a difference? Could you have said, I need, I need shares in that, or I need, I need to trademark that one, because I had a... <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't work like that. Like I mean, when you're, they when, own it, yeah, right? When you're an employee of a company, you, you're not one person. You, there are so many people that work with you on the launch of one single product, uh, and usually it's lines of products, right? It's a whole brand. So uh, no, no one person owns the trademark or the formulation Is there anything itself. on the shelves that you see and go... I had a, I had a yes. hand in that one. Yes, yes. Are you okay sharing it with us? Um, I might be, but I don't know how the company would feel. Well, it was a real success, wasn't <laughs> it? So yeah, well, there's a lot of products, actually. Um, so one line that I can tell you about, one product line was um, uh, wet wipes or makeup removing wipes mm-hmm. are extremely popular because they're easy to use product. And um, we were moving manufacturers from somewhere in Europe and bringing it to North America closer to home so that the costs could be justified and then be uh, passed down to the customer. And so I was the engineer that was responsible to start off operations with a a new manufacturer and all of the wet wipes makeup remover across uh, the portfolio of our company were were made by me. So they're still on the shelf. They're still on the shelf. So even even, uh, in Dubai, they're on the shelves. Amazing. Yeah. Well, well done to you. You joined, uh, you got into the industry in 2007? Yes. Okay. And um, you stayed in that industry until? Until 2018. Yeah. So you decided to get out. Yes. What was the reason? Um, so the reason was a happy one. Um, I would say it was, it was life that happened. You were in the States happened. until 2018? I was in the States until 2016. Okay. And then in 2016, I moved on to Canada uh, for a global assignment, uh, which was supposed to be covering Canada, the Caribbean, as well as uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, and that was an excellent opportunity to sort of get out of my comfort zone um, and, and experience a different country, although not too different from the United States. And uh, in 2018, um, I decided to resign and move to Dubai because I uh, met the love of my life and we decided to live here in Dubai. Was he in Canada or the US? He uh, also had moved to Dubai in 2016 and we had not met each other until 2017. We met online. We're true millennials in that way. We met online. I'm not going to say which. Was it dating? Line, uh, yeah, it was a date. Really? It was a dating. Yeah, <laughs> it was well, a dating website. So we you got to know each other online, online first, online. and then yeah. that's good. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so we we met online. We we traveled to see each other and spent time together, and then wow. went time. 2016. Came. Yeah, and then he was working here. Yes, he was working. And here. then you got married, and you decided married. to move here to be with him. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah. What does he do? He works in a software company, in a German software company. So he's not an entrepreneur. He's, he's an employee or a director of a company. Yes, he he's, uh, he's part of a Fortune 500 company. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. So entrepreneurship runs in the family now. It runs in the family now, yes. So you decided to resign? I decided to resign. And, and start? Yes, and, um, and when I moved here, it was not necessarily a conscientious thought in the beginning, but I was noticing that there is a gap in the market here in the Middle East. And okay. be- also because I'm a product of the Middle East, I understand the culture and the cultural and you're diversity. coming from the West. Exactly. Right? Um, I, I, I noticed that there was a huge delta when it came to employability of young adults. And that was a constant complaint, not necessarily just from the young adults themselves, but even from 
uh, business owners where they said that they are looking for young uh, creative talent but and they're having a hard time finding the right why? kind of talent. What, what, was their, what was their complaint? They were uh, saying that they don't, they're not committed, they don't understand it, they don't have career in mind. What was their um, issue? So the number one issue, or the, uh, I guess the broad umbrella, uh, can be identified in the words, uh, they are not uh, ready for the real world, okay. right? So they are not ready for the kinds of jobs They're that exist. They're too immature, basically. Not necessarily immature. I, I think that maturity is not a concern. Um, it's so much so that what is being... Uh, what the education system is not necessarily preparing them for the right kind of jobs. So it's not any one individual or any one institution's fault, but it's but unfortunate. the education system it hasn't changed for 100 years, right? Exactly. And that is becoming a systemic problem mm -hmm. where the education system, uh, rightfully so, had had it o its own ways of doing things, right? And remember, this the modern education system today was designed to support a workforce that was primarily working in the manufacturing class. Right in that industrial Correct. revolution and not much has been done of course new majors have been introduced and computers have been introduced uh, things have become slightly more project focused overall uh, and yet we're not having our uh, new new generation be prepared for the kind of work that is required in today's generation right so and we've had these conversations offline as well sure. so what's happening is you're starting to see a big disconnect between uh, employers two markets and yes. potential employee uh, employees thank you um, when you were doing your research mm -hmm. was how did you did you did you know a few people from the industry or did you actually do a physical market research a thorough one you, you spoke to a hundred companies or 20 companies tell me about your research yes the feedback you got from the market absolutely absolutely so um, I did a lot of uh, research, I would say it was qualitative research in that I did focus groups. So I, I talked to a lot of individuals. You did this before leaving or you quit and then started? I quit and then started. Oh, really? Yeah. So when I moved here and I started uh, talking to people to understand what's really happening in the region and why. So you took a huge risk. I took it. I took it. Yeah, that's really important. Some entrepreneurs wait mm -hmm. till it's perfect before yeah. they jump. Yeah. Well, you jumped and then you started looking. I'm right? st and I'm still jumping. <laughs> I think that that's the life of an entrepreneur. You always have to realize uh, follow the data, uh, listen to the customer, listen to your stakeholders, yes. but then also be ready to pivot and uh, mold the product or the because service. change happens all the time, right? So you've got to be prepared for change. Absolutely. Amazing. So you did the focus groups. Yes, I did a lot of focus groups uh, to understand both both sets of data, so employers and what's happening there, as well as uh, the youth and, and what's happening, what is the voice of the youth really yes. saying? And I, saw, I heard some interesting things, and you know, uh, like so one theme or trend that I noticed, which was uh, full of frustration from uh, certain young professionals was, you know, Neha, I starting to feel like our professors were people who didn't want to be in the workforce themselves, so they decided to become teachers. That's my saying. But they, yeah, but they, they didn't prepare me. They couldn't get a job, so they became teachers, yeah. Yeah, and you know, uh, is there truth to it? Maybe to some degree, but can we just blame our teachers or our uh, the education system? So you felt system? frustration from the, from Ex the really extreme frustration, right? And and so you'll start to see interesting. That so they're looking, mm -hmm. but they can't find because they feel they're not heard or understood. That's right. Am I right? That's right. Yeah, okay. they feel um, powerless. Wow. They feel powerless, and what's happening is they're actually smart, creative individuals, um, but the converse is also true the world of work is not ready yet so they may be prepared for certain types of jobs that are not actually real jobs in today's economy in their present reality they may become a reality in five ten years and so there is a little bit of a time yeah. lapse as well i'm going to make lots of statements that may be wrong okay but it's my perception mm -hmm. as an employer okay I feel and I look around and I teach customer services and sales that it's just like the mobile phone, the millennials are attached the hip to the mobile phones. Mm -hmm. I go into retail stores that are on the mobile phones, I go to exhibition stands that are on the mobile phones. It looks like they don't care about the customer experience. It looks as though they're not fully focused on the job in hand because they're so connected to outside world all of the time. Mm -hmm. I feel that they don't mind being 10-15 minutes late for work. Mm -hmm. They want flexibility. They don't. They're not so rigid. However, our customers in the marketplace want that commitment from our staff. Mm -hmm. That's where my disconnect is. And I look at millennials. I'm thinking, do they have the right? 
habits? Do they have the right professionalism mm -hmm. to come and work for me? Mm -hmm. Is that the kind of... Um, that's a very good insight. And I think it's a valuable insight from the point of view of an employer. And I think um, your audiences as well as mine should hear this because it's a very good insight uh, that perhaps is not openly vocalized by many employers. Really? Uh, I thought everybody was like me. Because you were coming from a point of view where your peers at the time were all doing that, it was default. Um, I think in the millennial um, cohort, what's happening is uh, books like The 4-Hour Workweek yes. by Tim Ferriss yes. were popularized. They were yes. sensationalized that you can live on a beach and work only a couple hours a day and have this source of passing income where money is just flowing. Exactly. Um, you can get rich quick. Yes. You don't do much work. Yes. Like the Kardashians and all these people. And yes. Yeah. And everything was made to look like it was it was Easy. easier than it was. Correct. But it's Agreed. not, right? And it's not. And I think that's where the disconnect has happened. Um, millennials, unfortunately, grew up slightly more idealistic than our predecessors yes. and started to view that optimism as it being easy. And, yes. and we know that things are not easy or just Amazing. handed to you. Amazing. That's exactly yeah. how I feel. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's where... the majority where of people is hard work. Yes. Yes. And, and I think hard work is also defined in different ways across these generations. So, for example, you as an employer are right, for, right in saying hard work, uh, symptoms of hard work are easily detected by timeliness, professionalism, engagement, discipline, eye contact, discipline. Focus. Um, exactly. And and somebody else, uh, like a millennial, would say, well, having the ability to have flexible work time shows that that uh, I'm heard and I'm listened to. And that's when I, I'm bringing my whole self to the table. Um, my authentic voice is valued and heard. So there is a difference uh, of a set of values. Yes. And I think in order for us to move forward as a, an economy or as a world, we need to start to listen to each other better. And, and it's going to only get more interesting with Generation Z yes. stepping into the workforce yes. now. Well, I look at, uh, we Google partners, and I mm -hmm. went to San Francisco a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. And Google is like that, flexible hours, 20% work on your own projects, um, come up with a good idea, we'll give you some money, get your peer group together to develop your own ideas. So I, I get it. But here's the thing, Google makes a lot of money. Somebody like me can't afford that flexibility. Yeah. And then when a client rings at 10 o'clock and they want to speak to the account manager and he's decided to stay home or go on a squash court, <laughs> I'm uh, maybe I need educating. Are you with me? Maybe. Yeah. So what, what is your role? Do you come to companies like, what is your role? <laughs> do, you, do you come to companies like me and say, let, let me help you to That's, understand millennials? You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. uh, my role is, or my work is twofold. I work with individuals who are looking to accelerate their careers and want to define a path for themselves. So two of two of the pillars of uh, my company, which is called World Leaders Academy, uh, two of the pillars are future focused and two of them are present focused. So we work on ourselves starting today. Okay. Uh, but then I also work with companies like yourself um, to help them engage and work through their work culture, especially those that hire millennials and centennials and also who partner with and whose customers are millennials and centennials. Because remember, um, I'll actually give you an example of a former Please. client of mine. She said after working only eight weeks with me, her relationship with her two daughters had significantly improved because she never she realized. Them. She understood them better. Mm. Um, and that was not the goal. We were talking about the her business. career and her yes. business specifically, and yet she started understanding her daughters better and her marriage has improved. Totally unexpected, but it also made me realize and validated that a lot of it is just understanding each other mm -hmm. almost uh, uh, and separating the personal and looking at it from a generational point of view because we start to understand each what other What qualifies you to do that? What is the, 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 if you don't mind me asking. No. So let's say you came to me, I'll say, fantastic, sounds really good. Mm -hmm. What brought you here? Why, what qualifies you? Why are you an expert in this field? Um, well, one, the, the data speaks for itself. We have a number of uh, examples now to show at the individual level. Uh, I'm only now starting to work with companies that are very early stage, so those will, remit, will be yet to be seen. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing is at my former company at Johnson & Johnson, what was happening is even though I had my core job, as part of a employee initiative, I had been designing uh, employee engagement tracks 
for the R&D organization in North America. And much of what I'm doing now was what I had actually been implementing. For a organi larger organization for a long, with a larger number of people. Exactly. Right? And, and those are hard metrics that we have because, of course, uh, a company of that size has... Uh, processes in place to measure data so thankfully I have that data as well as awards to show for you it. You said you brought some numbers with you would you like to share something with us? Yeah yeah so okay. um, you know it's interesting I, I did want to highlight something um, we can talk about generational themes all we want we can talk about theories and concepts all we want but I think things become very real when we talk about numbers and data and the reality is that the UAE um, has a 28% youth unemployment rate. Incredible. And that is the is highest in the Arab region. Is this expats or is this locals or generally as a whole? Uh, it's uh, Arab youth. So it's... Uh, wow, so it's very much local. It's local, yeah. I thought it's because they're all lazy. That's not true. Money comes too easy. No, that's actually not true. I'm stereotyping and I'm you're probably ser wrong, You're stereotyping. Right? And, you know, and, I, and this is exactly why the focus groups are so important. Yes. Because I've talked to so many of them live, both men and women. They are incredibly smart. They're incredibly savvy and well-educated well-spoken, they have a high degree of emotional intelligence, and they are extremely eager to, to do something and create change. And that's so why... So they don't have this feeling of, I, I own it. No, no, there is I no... I deserve it just coming to Absolutely work. not. All the, all, honestly, all everybody's looking for is a chance. And because wow. everybody is so young, they no, can't necessarily all create their own chances. If I was looking, where would I go? I don't know where to go and hire really keen and savvy locals. You know, and I think that that is a gap right now. Mm -hmm. uh, there aren't a lot of uh, resources that I'm aware of where people, where people like you, who are looking for talented individuals, can uh, go to a marketplace and hire talent yes. uh, individuals. I think college recruitment campuses is one area, but they might be they might require a heavy investment from a training perspective on your yes, end yes, as exactly. a business owner. Uh, and if a business is willing to put that amount of investment upfront to train a new cohort of talented individuals, then that might be a path to go. Uh, but other than that, I think there is there is almost a bridge we'll all need to grab uh, uh, cross as a society. Amazing. So they're highly affluent. Um, they have everything they want. They have the cars, the lifestyle. The government takes care of everything. They're not short of money. Why would they have to work hard? Um, I think that is a misconception. Because if you push somebody outside their comfort zone, they're very uncomfortable. And from my experience, if somebody's uncomfortable, very easy to jump off and go back to your comfort zone. Yes, so yes, but that's where growth happens. I think, uh, yeah, Agreed. and that's so. What's but not everybody realizes it. Most people no. jump off and go back to the comfort zone. You're you're absolutely right in that. I think some of it will come. Uh, over time so there's I guess two types of growth there's growth that will happen in spurts uh, which is what we're starting to see now in pockets uh, in the UAE and in the Middle East as well as other uh, very youth heavy populations like India yes. um, and then you'll also start to see uh, shifts that will happen almost over a generation so they will take 10 20 years to wow. materialize so we might be seeing it a few you years see, from now. India, I'm sorry, I hope you're okay with me just asking these questions. I, I am. They might be a bit naive, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm by no means right, just an opinion. Do you see, India I can understand because it's a competitive world, right? Yes. And if you don't work, you don't earn, nobody takes you. Here, it's just like, every, life is great if you don't do anything. And if you get a bit older, you can actually have 51% share of a company and get a retainer every year, you have, you sponsor 20 companies and you're made. Is that, is that, no, I don't I know the wrong. answer. Oh, I, <laughs> I don't know the answer to that specifically. Do yeah. you know like many Emiratis or locals who are saying, look, I'm prepared to push myself. I'm prepared to work hard. I'm prepared to come to work early, leave late and focus because I have a career path in mind. I have my goals broken down, quantified with a time scale and I want this. Mm. Have you met many like this? I have met many talented Emiratis mm -hmm. as well as um, other non-Emiratis. So like I'd say UAE youth population as a whole. Yes. I've met many of them that are exactly really? what you just described. And in fact, I also know, know some who are working on day jobs yes. and they also have their own startups. They, some of them could be tech startups and some of them could be smaller brands like um, one individual is working on their own fashion startup, another individual is working on um, a, a tech startup in the education space. 
So you'll start to see almost a parallel path happen with this generation. And I think that's a reality that employers have to start to accept. That if you want truly talented individuals who are like the, the perfect person you described. Provide the environment for them. They, can, yeah. they don't have to have a second job or a second, am I correct? Um, well, what will start to happen is I think uh, you as an employer will have to accept that they will also have another interest, interest and will probably also have a parallel path in mind for mm. their career. So if the problem is I believe that focus is everything. Yes. If somebody's sitting working for you mm-hmm. and they want to sell their fashion brand in the evening, they may just sneak off and do some research on fashion or their focus isn't on work. These are my fears yeah. right, as an employer. Yeah. Do you think that's the case or these guys are so smart they can do two things at the same time? I think you, you've, what you've described is actually the perfect example of what's happening right now. Um, a lot of employers, like yourself, who've created companies and businesses through sheer hard work and focus, think that that is the only way to move forward. But the millennial generation saw that that's not necessarily guaranteed success. Because in 2007, 2008, the world economy was collapsing and there was no plan B. So most, most millennials usually have two careers going on at the same time something to fall back on maybe because they always want to have something to fall back on does that mean that the plan b is working well at all times not necessarily but it's it gives most millennials a sense of security Mm, it's a sense of security i will also say uh, statistics have shown uh, now that generation z is entering the workforce uh, and that they grew up in a um, in an environment where the economy was down they are very pragmatic and actually value financial stability more than millennials. So wow. uh, millennials what's were the, willing what's to the generation work. generation gap between the Z and the millennials? 10 years, 15 years? Uh, so the last, uh, uh, how do you rephrase this? Uh, generation Z started in 1995. So anybody before that was wow. a millennial. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> so they're entering the workforce now. Yeah, they're entering the workforce now. You know what's scary? Mm-hmm. That Billie Jean was released 36 years ago. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I was out there clubbing. No. Just like yesterday. You're just like, well, you, it's too, you, you weren't born. Anyway, let's not go there. So, um, so you said you worked with this lady for a period of eight weeks. Mm-hmm. What was the work? Was it uh, hourly basis? Somebody wants to work with you? Mm-hmm. Let's say I'm really interested and mm-hmm. I want to be educated. I want my company to be up with the times and start hiring the millennials and the Generation Z. Mm-hmm. How can you assist me? That's a great question. So um, the first step is always defining objectives and understanding goals, right? And so that could be an exercise that happens over a day, or it could be a little bit longer depending on the size of the company and the size of 100 the people. Okay. 100 people, and, and this is a true case. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult, to, and, and I think our average age in our company is 24. That's so, perfect. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So maybe, I, I hire, rec- I recruit motivated, happy, positive people, and we have a five-stage recruitment process. Sometimes we get it wrong, but mm-hmm. majority of the time we get it right. Mm-hmm. So the energy in the, in, the, in the place is really good. We used to be open six days a week. Okay. And I felt so many people would probably not join us because we're open six days a week. I sent uh, an email to all the staff. I said, would you like to be open five days a week? And 98% said, no, we want to work six days, which just blew me away. Mm. But I still gave them five days mm-hmm. because I felt people weren't entering the company because they had choices to work somewhere else. So I was so impressed that people felt that they were happy here. They didn't treat it as a job. Fantastic. However, I find out that maybe, or throughout the last 10 years, I found out that a particular web developer is designing websites for some other people at home mm-hmm. or a weekends, okay? And I feel that if they focused on the actual job and the opportunity we create here, they could do a lot better. So maybe I need coaching to understand that generation or yeah. provide an environment where they're comfortable mm-hmm. to get the most out of them while they're here and do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe not fear that I might find out or feel they're cheating me. Does that make sense? I think you're absolutely right, and that is such a great insight. I mean, I, I applaud you as a leader to have that level of openness in even uh, saying that, you know what, there, this, this is not a one-off. There's probably more truth to it that needs yes. to be explored. Yeah. And I need to be okay with it, right? Because yes. it's inevitable. It's inevitable. And it's, right. it is a gen- generational reality that I think How we need to focus How can I send on. this message that it's okay 
just deliver value when you're here? One of the best ways I've seen leaders um, showcase this, um, this value of acceptance is by starting to openly recognize that people in the company are multi-passionate and that, that uh, those multiple passions are, are um, applauded. So for example, um, I'll give you a very cheesy example. When I was working at my former company, um, I have also been trained in dance and acting, which is nothing to do with engineering. It was just something Your I love to do. It's, it was my passion. Did I want to become a Bollywood actress one day? Maybe at some point in my teenage years, I dreamt of dancing with Shah Rukh Khan, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I want to do that. Um, but I remembered I also had that fear. If I went to classes in the evening, or if I went to dance competitions, will, will I be viewed as someone who is not serious about my career? Especially at a time when the economy is down and all my peers just got fired, except yes. I'm the only one that was left with the job. Yes. That's the last message I wanted uh, to send. It took me many years to realize that if I started to take on additional responsibility uh, by uh, speaking and doing presentations, by emceeing um, certain uh, town hall meetings, and then taking on projects um, for employee engagement that incorporated dance and talent and a few Were other you things. you paid for it? No, it was not paid additionally, but I was celebrated and it opened so many more doors for me that when I had a real problem or when I had a project that I wanted to pitch in the company, I went directly to the CTO, them, yes. and it was so silly that if I did a, a small, um, you know, a town hall open mic, mm -hmm. they remembered me, they recognized me. It was that kind of talent that got me yeah. ahead. And so when I opened the conversation, saying, "Oh, and by the way, I have to leave early at you know, on, on this particular evening because I'm doing something offsite," it was viewed as part of me and part of my personality. Because and they were it, okay with and it. And everybody was okay with it because yeah. it wasn't viewed as me. Do you think it was off. because Johnson & Johnson? Do you think a small company would have been okay with it still? I think it really depends on the leader and 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 The problem the is that we, we, we are truly really busy, mm -hmm. aren't we, Yahya? We, we're just so overworked. If Yahya said to me, can I go home early mm. every week on a Monday? I'd be like, uh, you know, well, what about the work that needs to be done? What yeah. about this? But then I know him enough to know that he's conscientious, right? Yeah. You come earlier the day I yeah, and I think that's that's the great um, that's the great benefit of having open conversations mm -hmm. and building trust and credibility on both ends. So it's got to be unconditional trust. It's it's got to be unconditional trust. This is conditional. Yes. People see through it. But at the same time, it is also then, if the employees, if the if, you know, if the employee has a doubt or a fear that this may be considered a negative, starting to open the conversation with you know, somebody taking an evening class or working on an evening side project as an investment in their own future yes. so that it could build, uh, give future rewards back yes. into their own talent, therefore yes. the company. Yes. That conversation will go a long way. And I think even the managers and the leaders will start to recognize that this person is open and honest and not trying to hide something. Because nobody wants to feel the lack of so, trust. Uh, one fact, mm -hmm. about two years ago we had a designer and just by coincidence, we found that he was taking the designs that he'd done under our organization for our clients, and it opened up his own portfolio. Okay. And he hadn't told us, and he blocked us from viewing his portfolio. Mm. And somebody took a screenshot, they found out it was, and sent it to me. I was really upset. Yes. I was really upset, because if it was good intentions, they wouldn't have blocked me. Yeah. Right? That's so definitely a breach of trust. That's a breach of trust, yes, right? I agree. But if they hadn't blocked me and told us, and it was my customers who paid us for that design. So in a way, we own that right. Yes, you do. Okay, so I was right to get upset. Yes. And disappointed. I think that's justified. I still didn't fire the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I questioned him, and he was really quite uh, adamant and upset, that, and, and he claimed ignorance that he didn't know. Mm -hmm. But I think he knew because he blocked us. I think that's also a great coaching moment uh, for you as a leader because not everybody has the... Um, foresight on how a situation like this could go wrong very quickly because sometimes we all do things because we think we're being smart about it 
and then the inevitable happens, which is negative. Um, but also, there is something to be said about emotional maturity, and which comes with time and experience. Yes. And you, as a leader, obviously have way more life experience and business experience as your employees. Thank you. So I, that could be that could be even a great 30, coaching moment. Thank you. Even with thirty-five years experience, I'm still work in progress. Yes. Honestly, all of us are. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're dealing with people, it's just a bag of surprises. And yeah. I think I've I've seen it all now, and then something else comes. Mm-hmm. Right. So. You turn, let's say you come to my company, you spend a day with us. Mm-hmm. What does a day entail? You, who do you see? Do you sit with me all day? Do you sit with the staff? Do you, please tell me. Uh, that's a great question. So typically I would start off with you first because I want to understand you, your past, your present, and, and where you want to take your, your company in the future. I want to understand the values and the goals and the pain points. So that's definitely, it starts out with the leader and the management team. And then I want to spend a day, I typically want to spend a day with the staff at all levels um, to try and understand what's what's really the general consensus. What's the feeling? What's the culture like? What do they think is missing and lacking? How would you introduce yourself to the staff if the management hired you Mm -hmm. and they feel they can trust you to tell you everything? Mm -hmm. What if, um, hopefully not, but I think there's a certain amount of respect that may not so open up to you. Yes. How do you get staff to open up to you? Very good question. Um, there is a degree of trust that happens when um, someone in my position or when I truly come in to help them be better versions of themselves so that they in their own respective individual careers can move forward. Because so, everybody... Sorry, so practically, mm-hmm. uh, we spend an hour, then I call the staff in and I introduce you to them. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, let, I'll set you free. Okay. Is that what normally happens? That's what normally happens. Okay. And I normally start off by giving examples of the kinds okay. of people and the frustrations that they have. Okay. Because what I realize is when people hear stories of other people that are going through very similar situations, they are more relaxed and tend to open up. So I'll give you an example. Um, there was a situation where a uh, female individual was extremely frustrated with her career it wasn't going much uh, much places mm-hmm. and it was starting that that lack of movement and lack of growth was starting to spill into other areas of her life yes. and typically if I was talking to a group of uh, women uh, employees or women entrepreneurs yes. a story like that sprinkled in with details it's around yeah sprinkling with details around how it impacted her family life and her passion for growth, um, mm-hmm. so on and so forth, mm-hmm. will immediately spiral into all of the women sharing a version of that story. Yes. And, and then that's when the trust is start to build. And that's usually when I also then start to introduce saying, okay, well, here's what I want to offer you. But in exchange, I would like to first hear stories of your frustrations and pain points firsthand, and also what their view is of the company, right? Because you'll a lot of times you'll find uh, that we as leaders take for granted uh, on what our employees think of the company. Oh, I agree. We're blindsided. We get blindsided. Absolutely. I totally agree yeah. with you. So that's a day. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? And then depending on what comes out of that research, mm-hmm. essentially that's a focus group in itself, I present a, a plan forward with the management to say, okay, you had identified goals of improving employee engagement and as well as some let's say training around um, personal development you know how do we make sure that the the focus around uh, in-home innovation and in-home creativity is inculcated within the culture so that people don't feel the need to go out uh, and leave early and do a project on their own perhaps they can invest those resources in the house we start to create a plan for that so I think it really depends on what the goal is can that be done if if you don't have an HR manager? You can still make sure the company implements that. Is there a minimum number of people in an organization? No, I don't. Ha- I don't necessarily. Um, I haven't tunneled myself into the size of the company. Okay. Sometimes it could be a division of a larger company, so we're only focusing on a particular department. And a lot depends on the leader of that department, right? If Absolutely. they buy into it, if they welcome you, and they continue listening to you and changing their habits correct absolutely I think if they don't because people are going to think that's a company tried something new it's never going to work absolutely the the change starts with the leader and Mm -hmm. oftentimes I find that the the leaders are the most receptive to change which is a beautiful thing at least in my experience so far they hired you they hired me so they're invested uh, emotionally mentally and financially I'm a consultant (laughs) and obviously different sector but um, 
what I find, you're absolutely right, the leader hires you, they buy into you, they want change. Yes. Okay? And inevitably, they want better productivity, better environment, and higher profits. Mm -hmm. True? True. The, it's always, in my experience, most of the time, the right-hand person or the people who tends to sabotage change. Yes. Because they might feel it's a bit insecure, they might feel as though they're going to be found out, or so they sabotage it. Mm -hmm. How do you get the right-hand people to buy into it? Because a leader, let's talk about me. I'm not on my business in my business all of the time, but I have several managers. Mm -hmm. Some of them are, although young, they're a bit old-fashioned. Okay, they they got this factory mentality. Mm -hmm. How do you work with them? Some of it is uh, will require perhaps one-on-one -on -one coaching. To understand where those emotions of, of fears of fear probably. and factory mentality is coming from to, to take your example further i think that that is a more individualized approach which could be part of the larger project mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of times the leader has had to work excessively hard to get to that stage to be the okay. most trusted individual okay. and now if a culture change is being introduced they could be losing all control they could be losing control and they well, could that's be losing a fear. yes that's a fear and mm -hmm. it's and in some ways it's a justifiable fear from their point of view uh, but but addressing those fears head on and giving them a platform to voice them also builds trust yes. and so we go back into that cycle of trust and saying you have a safe space to now yes. be able to vocalize those fears the leaders are listening and the staff is going to continue to support you so that you also can be a better leader. Okay. So that is all incorporated very well. I can imagine well. staff coming in feeling really safe in a place to just be. Yes. Correct? Without hiding anything. That would be a really nice environment. That would be a really nice environment. Mm. Interesting. Wow. So um, at the end, I think if a company invests in working with you, there should be some kind of a certificate to say, you know, like an ISO certificate. <laughs> there should be one, right? That we actually invest in the new way of thinking of looking after our clients. Most of my clients, sorry, staff, most of my clients sign and go ahead with us because of our staff. Fantastic. They love the energy that they get That's in the That's such office. a great testament to you as a, a visionary and as a leader as well. It really is yeah. because your your people are what make your company, right? But it, my fear is when I leave and I'm not here, that drops. So I need, if I work with you, yeah. and I think we will, mm. is for you to work with my right-hand people because they're different personalities and different, they all have the same agenda to succeed, success Absolutely. of the company, mm -hmm. but they really are massively different style of management. So you go to one of my departments and it's very dictatorial. Mm -hmm. You go to another one, it's very factory-like mm -hmm. and you get to another one it's just a joyous party but they're not hitting target <laughs> okay, so well uh, a balance other, needs to happen the <laughs> other departments are funding the funny fun one so yeah um, but they're all they're actually to their own um, credit they're committed they're yeah. doing the best they can with their own limited limitations should I say and their own strengths and their own individual they're also, strengths. They're amazing people yes. I love them yes and I know they they'll take a bullet for us and me yes but I feel somebody like you can come in and get, get co coherency, some synergy. I'd be honored. I'd be mm. honored to do that. Mm. I mean, I think that, that you as a leader have obviously empowered your, your um, first line of management enough to, one, understand what their strengths are and what their management styles are. And then, of course, empowered your whole staff to know exactly what each person needs to do to be able to, you know, for this vehicle to keep moving forward, yes. right? And that's the analogy you like to use, that the, the car has to keep moving forward. Certainly. Um, two things that I have. One is I fear if I have a third party, I'm going to share my fear with you, that the urgency will slow down because I'm in my 50s and I have a short period of time before this energy depletes, mm -hmm. like it or not. So I'm in the second half of my, well into the second half of my life. and. I want to have a third party who doesn't slow down growth because, you know, I'm, I'm a late starter. And the second thing is that um, I really love my team. I really love my, I love this guy. And you know it, right? <laughs> they, they know it. I think, they, am I right in that? You know I love you, right? And what I don't want is a third party coming and taking away that love feeling. Mm. Am I making sense? When you say third party, you mean an external consultant? Somebody like consultant? yourself, a consultant yeah. coming in, yeah. and they have their own agenda. And I don't want people to think that. I'm not saying this is. I'm not saying yeah, no, this no. is you. I'm just saying these are my two fears, yeah, right? Yeah. The urgency that the push and the drive will slow down, and the second thing is that because they don't understand what the hell love is, 
right? Because I hug everyone, mm-hmm. and they hug. When I come in, people hug, queue to hug me, and I don't want that to stop because that's the that's the uh, backbone of my business. Is that, am I making sense? So that is the um, so I can address that head on. Uh, typically, someone like me or a third person or even me directly, we come in and we only come in. Our success or my success will only be identified with your success, right? My KPIs are that my clients are served to the best of my ability so that they can reach the next level. And if I don't succeed in making a positive change Impact. in your yes. company culture, because yes. let's say you identified what that, what that yes. change is, and if I'm not able to succeed, then I've not done my job, right? And so at most, it shouldn't necessarily be an absence of love, um, and I think you should also, as just like you're a service provider for your clients, mm-hmm. I would be a service provider for my clients. Um, and so that that should not be. So you have the flexibility. Absolutely. To 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 dig it to understand. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're working with people for people. Mm-hmm. We're working with minds and emotions. Uh, of course, we're working with data and metrics as well. I bring a lot of science to this because I am a scientist at my core. So I want to make sure that people understand with at an individual level, level what the data speaks and why they might be feeling and thinking what they're feeling and thinking and how we can use other case studies, successful case studies to bring that kind of change into an organization here. And of course, everything is customized. I mean, that's the beauty of the world today, right? We're, we're moving into, we're moving away from a mass production Absolutely. kind of world. Absolutely. And we're moving into the world of customization. Absolutely. So just like you would customize a marketing plan for your clients, yes. um, someone like me would highly customize Mine's very easy for, to measure because mm. I look at profitability. Mm. You're earning X, by the time you finish, you're going to XX. How do you measure your success? Right now, uh, the measure of success is either um, qualitative, which would be through survey, so voice of the customer. Right. Right. So it's very qualitative because we want you cannot necessarily the manage. The customer could be our team, right? Yes. It could be. It could be your staff, team and right. you, okay. essentially, as the leader, right? What change do you see in yourself? Like, so for example, this one client wanted to do a major career change, the, the lady I talked about. Her um, target change was, I want to move from X industry to Y industry. Has she, did she achieve it in eight weeks? No. Was she prepared for it? Yes. But the peripheral changes she saw were, she was, um, her marriage had been saved, she had a better relationship kids, with her daughter, yes, exactly. And she had had more exp- uh, more uh, enthusiasm than she had ever experienced before. She actually went on to interviews during those eight weeks for that new target industry. So that's a really good example to say, okay, just because you don't necessarily see it on paper yet does, at the end of eight weeks doesn't mean that it's not coming. Yeah. It just means that things have to transpire. Yes. But you've already started to see the psychological and emotional changes take place. They will start to manifest themselves in dollar value. Wow. Thank you. Um, do you, through this process, when you're talking to staff, come to the owner and say, actually, this person doesn't fit with your organization? Do you do that? Like, Sometimes that can happen. Through your experience and you realize, whoa, how the hell did this person end up here? That doesn't make them bad people. Yeah. They just don't fit. Yeah. Does that um, often sometimes happen? Sometimes that happens. Um, I will say that most of the time, um, well, first of all, I will never make that call or that judgment because it's not my place to but make that call. But you make the owner aware? No, I, that usually becomes self. It becomes a, an obvious thing, and the management recognizes it themselves. I see. I see. Because it, you you creating that awareness. The awareness is created, and the environment is created mm. that everybody can sort of be themselves. And so, you as a leader, let's say, will start to recognize which people are truly the right fit for the new direction or the heightened direction yes. that the company is heading in. Yes. And they may have been right for the time that they were hired, but they may not be on the suitable right path. now. They yes. may not be suitable now. Um, do you find that the, the people's perception or people value people here? Do they invest in people you mean here, here? As yeah, in as in the Middle East, in this region? Um, that's a loaded are they, are, question. Or are they treated like a commodity? Um, I think it varies. Um, if From my limited uh, viewpoint that I've seen, because I've only been here for a little over a year, I've seen several wonderful leaders um, running small businesses as well as part of larger organization global companies who are spending an uh, extraordinary amount of time 
uh, in in training their people and investing in their people and they're doing all the right things Um, there is a certain segment of the population that is still uh, living the life of um, being treated like a commodity Um, I hope that that changes it has to. Um, it has to. In time. Yeah. But I think that that's the kind of change that will take a little bit longer. Like Those said, are not 10, the 15, 20 years. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Thank you. That's that's the from the my employer point of view. From the employee's point of view, how can you help them? Because honestly, I have I have I sit in interviews and there's so many people have I feel they have this like entitlement mm-hmm. things of what's in it for me, what's in it for me, what's in it for me, what's in it for me. And hardly ever they actually think what value they're going to bring to the organization. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I may be wrong, but if I was a, an employee, irrespective of what age, I'd be thinking what value I'm going to bring to the company. Mm-hmm. It should be multiples of the salary I'm expecting. Mm-hmm. Lots of people, I feel, they don't even think that way. Mm-hmm. Just think they're entitled. They have this qualification. Mm-hmm. They're entitled it. Uh, to this f- salary mm-hmm. and they've done a market research and that's how the salaries are in this market mm. do, do, do you think? Um, so there is um, two thoughts two opposing viewpoints the first one is um, yes that there is a certain segment of the market that comes with a sense of entitlement because maybe that's what they were raised with or that's what they thought they heard that if you go with degree X and you're targeting wide job statistics say that that should be the median salary that's one segment of the population there is another segment of the population as well that is actually very aware and wants to make sure they're uh, it's a meeting of the minds they're going into a company where their cultures and values are uh, in line with their personal values as well as the company's values and vision you will find those people as well they might be a little bit hard to find because uh, competition is key there But what is happening is there is a, um, a dichotomy here. A certain sense of the population is also feeling exploited, if I may use that word loosely. There is a sense that people... Irrespective of age. Irrespective oh. of age. Mm-hmm. That they may work extremely hard and not get the... Rewarded for it. Not get rewarded and recognized for it. Yes. Accordingly, And there have been ex- a lot of cases where people have been cheated not paid on time, Agreed. not paid at all, Agreed. and duped. And typically, you'll see that people are coming from a burnt bridge when they approach a conversation like that. I agree 100%. What I say to them is, listen, I have had staff steal from me. I have had staff lie to me. I have had cheat me. Yes, but the moment you start, I start loving you. Yes. I don't treat you based on the bad experience I've had from previous employees. And don't bring your past into this relationship. Because mm. what chance do you have? Yeah. If you have a relationship with somebody and your ex-partner cheated on you and every time you meet a different partner you think they're going to cheat, what chance the new yeah, partner got? Yeah, yeah. So I they actually... Go, okay, <laughs> but... But that's a certain level of emotional intelligence yes. that I think um, is required. You know... Um, do you assist companies like me on their interview process? I don't do that. Uh, okay. I'm not into recruitment or HR um, okay. and I make sure that I don't step into a role that I'm not qualified for okay. or licensed for. Right, yeah. right. Do you assist individuals how to get jobs better? Uh, I like do. A, I know you have an online podcast, Yes, Yes, right? I, have, I, I have an online channel where I uh, do educational videos. Oh, fantastic. Um, not so a tell, podcast. Yeah. Sorry, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> how often do you have them and uh, where, so they, where can they get connect with your... Yeah, this is fairly new. Uh, my website is www.nehasahani.com. And uh, I'm very active on social media, so uh, a lot on LinkedIn as well as um, on Instagram. And I find that because we're working with the millennial and centennial population, that's the best way to reach them. Uh, I mean, I'm getting direct messages constantly on the kinds of topics that they want to listen to. So every Tuesday, I do a segment called Two Minute Tuesday, where I do a pick one topic and we deep dive into that particular topic in two minutes. You educate. Yes, I educate. It's it's and some some things are very tactical, like resumes, and some things are a little bit more um, um, emotional and theoretical. For example, on what is the best way of thinking about a certain. Uh, aspect of your life so for example one of the themes that came out earlier this year when we did a workshop was that most people felt like they had big dreams and they were very passionate but the biggest reason why they were not achieving those dreams was procrastination 
And so yes. let's say uh, maybe a couple segments would be only on the aspects of procrastination. What is Facial it? What's happening? And, yes. and how do you manage your time? How do you manage your fear? So every Tuesday I release a new episode. And then sometimes I also do online web classes that are completely free for the community as a wow. way to give back so they can call in. And if there is a theme of questions that I'm getting a lot, then I will address those, all of those questions in a live class. And sometimes they're topical. So just earlier um, this week, I released a new ebook uh, that's again open to the community, uh, and it's called Master the Art of Networking. And we did a few live classes on on networking, just because I think, like you said, a lot of times we like to keep our head in our phones, yes. <laughs> and we're losing the art of communication and the art of genuine networking. So and I'm glad you see that. Yes, I do see that. Okay, so there is there is a there is a challenge out there. You know, it's, it is a reality of our times now. Both these generations, millennials and centennials, we are digital natives. Our lives are only going to be tied to our phones and other devices that are coming out. And it's going to get more. And it's going to get only more and more integrated with, with um, virtual reality glasses and ear pods. I mean, clothes. And clothes. Yes. Everything is going to be highly digitized. So all companies, businesses are going to be fighting for attention. Yes. Um, we are the employees, but we're also consumers. Absolutely. Right? So that's going to continue to happen. You yeah. said you're doing workshops. Yes. How often do you do workshops? Um, how, I, how do people find? Do they have to pay? So some of them are open and free, um, okay. only as a way to give back to the community. And some of them are highly specialized on a specific topic, which are paid workshops. How often do you have these workshops? Um, we don't have a fixed schedule at this time. I'm looking to talk to a few uh, companies who are interested in partnering with us, who have a very similar vision, okay. who are future focused and want to develop leaders um, of tomorrow. So I'm in conversations with them uh, to see if we want to do a series of workshops, which would be wow. once a month. But that's something in the works right now. We have a training center. I don't know if you're aware at all. We have a beautiful training center across the road on uh, top of Oasis Center. Oh, lovely. I would love to make that available to you if you Thank like. Thank you. I really um, appreciate that. If we have time, I'd get one of my staff to show you. It's an unbelievable training center. Mm -hmm. I'd love to make that available to you free of charge thank you so much uh, and i I'd, so I'd love to see how we can work together then i'll yeah. be honored really yeah. honored yeah is there anything that i've missed you like to share with us you know i i just like to leave uh, our, our, the audience with one parting thought which which is actually one of the principles that i teach in my training and hopefully this will help them think through their careers a little bit differently Please. i teach something called the pie model uh, and it, it sounds as delicious as uh, as it's as a name. I'm thinking of you because you're into numbers. It'd be <laughs> the pie. The, 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 the yeah, exactly. Three point four one. So the pie model uh, stands for P stands for performance, I stands for image, and E stands for exposure. And typically, when people think of their future, when they think of their careers, or they even think of success. We tend to get very confused and overwhelmed. And one internet search is going to spiral you into uh, something uncontrollable. Yes. So because I'm a numbers girl, I like to break this down in numbers. If you are a millennial or a centennial, whether you're working for yourself or in a company, yes. focus on your uh, performance heavily, which is 80% of that pie. So like you as a, as a leader is saying, you don't know if they are focused enough. I'd say if as an employee, you were able to, 80% of your yes. energy, time and investment is on performance, mastering your art and craft, mastering your talent, ensuring that your KPIs are met and that you are on the path of your own growth as well as the growth of the company, wow. you are typically golden. You know what, if somebody just gives me 80%, I'll be happy. <laughs> there you go, right? Really, so, the rest is bonus. Yes, and then, so the 10%, uh, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. It's 70% on the, I got it carried away, 70% on the performance. No, I'm unhappy. Yeah, you no, you're taking you'll, away you'll be happy with right? the rest. Okay. You'll be happy with the rest. 10% is on image, which is all aspects of um, how their personal brand is. Because every employee is an extension of the brand of the company Absolutely. they work for. Absolutely. They're right? a tentacle of the business. And right? the amount of investment that the company makes in training employees, I think it's almost an added value if the employee takes just a little bit of extra effort and focuses wow. on their own individual brand as wow. well and how it complements with the brand of the company, Love it. they will go miles, right? It, it, it really starts to magnify as you grow further and further in your career. And then 20% of that pie is the E, which is exposure. And so exposure stands for 
how well you are exposed to your market, your audience, and how well do they know you and what you bring to the yes. table. And that could include your senior management, right? That it, could just be actually not just an it could be a company. It could be a company. A company. If a company performs and the individuals perform, I think collectively you're very powerful. Yeah, exactly. Is this your formula? Yes. Yes, it is. Beautiful. Yeah, and I've seen, I've, I've and actually, um, I've had a first uh, cohort that, that uh, took this training with me last year, late last year, mm -hmm. and I saw success stories come out and testimonials come out of that because I don't think that people had, had almost a formulaic yeah, uh, I, I version of Absolutely. this. Absolutely. So you could do a workshop on that to my staff, right? I would love to. Yeah, okay. And to. how long would the workshop last on average? Uh, it's typically a four to six hour workshop, depending on how many people, because it, sure. it could take time. Sure. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really, really enlightening. And um, I'm going to, if you don't mind, work with you. I would love I'm that. I'm going to use your services for my company. And I would love to show you our training center, which has been built to be a fun place where, because I'm dyslexic and. <laughs> In any training center, I, I either fall asleep or just want to run out. So I created a room where your eyes never fall asleep. You, the room is fun and f informative, and uh, I'd love to show you, see if it's right for the, maybe the new generation, see if they like it. Would that be okay? That would be wonderful. Amazing. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure talking to you. Thank, Thank you so you. much for... Uh, for bringing me on here and allowing me to share my story with you. If anybody wants, thank you, it's an honor. The honor is ours. If anybody wants to contact you, I know you shared your website with us. Is there an email address? Is there? Yeah, the email address is very easy. It's hello at nehasahani.com. How do they spell your name? N-E-H-A-S-A-H-A-N-I.com. Absolute pleasure meeting you. One last question. Yes. Relatively new company, You've just over a year, mm -hmm. or just under a year that you've under been trading. Where do you see yourself in five years? What's Where is your company in five years? <laughs> I love being on the interviewee seat. Yes. Um, in five years, I would like to work with corporations, both big and small, as well as government entities to really start to shape uh, where we're heading as a generation and as a society. I mean, that's actually one, on one of my, uh, one of my goals. Uh, and it's also part of the pillars. I'm very future focused and I want to start to ensure that we as a society. So you're seen as a leader in the field. In of this field. IC. Yes. Would you be a one man band or would you have an organization, a, a number of people working for you? Well, I sh I'm sure you can tell from my stories. I love the concept of co or, uh, well functioning teams. So it so will you're not build a team. I'm going to be building a team. I'm already on, on, on my path on doing that. In fact, I made a very conscientious decision. Um, to hire young adults, so college graduates wow. who are interning with me. They're part-time because I want to make sure that whatever they're doing academically uh, as well as with me is complementary and also in line with their And you're practicing goals. what you're preaching, I'm right? I'm practicing okay. what I preach. Amazing. Yeah. So your system is going to be scalable. Yes. Yes, very I wish much you so. All that. And you know what? Deep down inside, I know you'll get there and you'll surpass it. Thank you so much. So congratulations on the path of entrepreneurship. I think you have a lot to offer. I can't wait to have maybe a discussion after here or another day in regards to you helping Be Unique uh, get there. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Narek. Thank you, Yaga. Thank you. Thank you.